0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.
1: Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 509 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We are out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country, and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. Now, you can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more. And while you're there, why not sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events, and updates. And hello, I'm Andy Gorham. I'm your host for today's show and the founder of BizJuicer, an employee engagement and culture development consultancy that helps companies create people change that really sticks. Retaining more of your great people and ensuring fabulous brand experiences for your customers. Now then, if work-related stress, long working hours, and the blurring of boundaries between work and personal life sound all too familiar today, I guess they should. Pre-pandemic, employee mental health concerns globally were already significant, and increases in conditions like anxiety and depression were widely seen and already growing. The pandemic exacerbated existing mental health challenges. fact, remote work, social isolation, fear of the virus itself, and uncertainty about the future took a toll on many employees' mental well-being. Healthcare workers, in particular, faced immense stress and burnout, as we know. The widespread adoption of remote work during and since have brought its own set of challenges. Employees reported feeling more isolated, overwhelmed by technology, and basically struggling to maintain any sort of work-life balance, again, all leading to a rise in burnout cases. Many employers began to recognise the importance of employee mental health and started implementing initiatives like employee assistance programs, flexible work arrangements and mental health resources to support their staff. However, the effectiveness of these initiatives has varied widely. Disparities in access to mental health support and resources still exist today across regions and ethnic groups, with some employees having much better access to care than others. And whilst it's getting better, there is still stigma attached to the issue of mental health in the workplace. And this, this, my friends, is where our guest today comes in. Arjan Tor is the CEO of Cigna Healthcare. It's a global health service company, and he is calling for CEOs and business leaders to make a public commitment to allocate 5% of their annual working hours to changing organizational cultures while addressing the issue of staff well-being in what he calls an action-orientated manner. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm very keen to hear a lot more about this. So I'm going to shut up and say, welcome to the show, Arjan.
0: Thank you, Andy. Thank you for having me.
1: It's great oh, to be here. Ah, oh, it's great to have you here. Really, really interested to hear all about this. Um, I genuinely think it's an incredibly important and still timely topic that we can talk about. I'm really interested in hearing your insights on it and especially digging into what this this 5% pledge is, is all about. But before we race on in, into that, If you could just do me a quick favor, we could just get a bit of an introduction into you, your background and and what you're currently focused on. That'd be great.
0: Sure. Happy to do that, Andy. So uh, my name is Ariane Tor. As you said, I'm uh, Dutch, as you might have picked up by the accent. (laughs) Um, So I live in the Netherlands um, and uh, I'm 52 years old. Um, I have been working for Cigna now for 12 years. And as you already mentioned in your introduction, Cigna is a global health services company. Um, Our mission is to help improve the health and well-being of the people we have the privilege of serving each and every day. And we really do that through a combination of offering health insurance solutions that give people peace of mind, knowing that if they need access to care, uh, we're going to be able uh, to provide that. And also, they're not going to be impacted by the adverse financial uh, implications of that uh, access to care. Mm-hmm. But also by increasingly focusing on, you know, offering health services that ultimately help to keep people healthy and well. Because and I think that's really relevant in the context of today's conversation, because I think that's increasingly what we need to be focused on, not just as a as an organization, but also as a society.
1: And in that introduction, Arjun, that I talked about, do you think before we get headlong into what, what we can do about this and what you're calling for people to do about it? In all of the areas that I mentioned to set the context, is there anything missing from your perspective, anything specific that you'd want to highlight as setting a real context for this, this agenda and this topic?
0: Well, I, I think you framed it really well, and I fully agree with your analysis that mental health is not a new issue. It's mm-hmm. something that already existed pre-COVID, but it's, COVID has definitely amplified the issue. I think it's made it worse in many, in, in many ways. Uh, That's the reason why I think so many organizations and and individuals are now so focused on uh, this topic. The one thing maybe that I would add is, and this is, of course, of direct interest to us because we partner a lot with large and small employers, is the role of the employer in all of this. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, And I'm sure we're going to explore this a bit further. But, you know, although a lot of mental health issues are not exclusively work related, we are all spending a lot of time at work. No matter where that is, right? That could yeah. be in a virtual setting or in a physical setting. And again, something we'll talk about in a bit more detail. Uh, but of course, that means that employers play a really important role in addressing some of these health and well being issues that their employees are faced with. It's also quite interesting that the, the research that Cigna has done quite recently indicates that a lot of employees are actually expecting their employer to play a very active role in providing health, health and well being support at the same time a lot of these employees are saying that their current employer is not necessarily doing that so there is a gap between expectations from employees and what is actually being offered today so that's one one thing i would just add to your introduction
1: And that gap in employee expectation, is that coming from what they saw during pandemic times and saw what other companies are doing? Are they better informed, got better research, or is just expectations higher now? Where where do you think that's coming from? I think
0: expectations have increased. So I think, I mean, COVID obviously has changed a lot of things, right? And I think it has definitely served as a bit of a reset in terms of how people are thinking about work Hmm. and the role that work plays within their lives. And whereas traditionally... If you would ask people, and again, we've done some research to validate this. If you would ask people, what's the reason why you're working for your current employer? Or what would be a consideration for you to move to a new employer? You know, traditionally, people would point at, you know, career opportunities. They would point at compensation and benefits. Today, if you ask that very same question, the first topics that come up in terms of the priority ranking are flexibility on where I can work flexibility on when I can work, but also comprehensive health and well-being support. So what it tells you is that employees today have very different expectations because they expect you know the role of work and the role of their employer to be a very different one. I think people are more focused on a healthy work-life balance. Um, and part of that is also, I think, what you highlighted in your introduction, the fact that people have uh, worked from home pretty much all the time during the pandemic. And the lines between work and personal life have blurred significantly uh, as someone once told me i don't know if i'm working from home or sleeping in the office <laughs> that's, true. Uh, that's yeah. become very very uh, confusing at times and i think again that has really served as a powerful reminder for people to say okay i need to make sure that i strike the right balance between the priorities that i have in my personal life and and what you know my employer expects from me so i think all of that sort of compiled has led to a very different level of expectation and i think employers are struggling to live up to that expectation today
1: there's no doubt in that and i think across many topics i think in terms of the change since that period in time we, we are seeing front runners companies that are doubling down and really committed to kind of focusing on stuff like this or um learning and development or whatever else it might be and and those are the guys who are laggards sitting behind the curb.
0: No, and at the same time, I think just to give, uh, you know, employers a little bit of credit, we're still in the process of figuring this out, right? So So we talk a lot about hybrid ways of working. I think every organization and also at an individual level, we're still in the process of trying to figure this out. I mean, even us at Cigna, you know, we've recently asked people to start to come back to to the office um, and we're asking them to do that for a minimum of two days a week. One of the reasons we're doing this, and we'll talk about this uh, later, is because we do believe it's, it's, it has a positive impact on mental health of employees. To be able to bring people back together, to reconnect emotionally and socially, to be able to actually look your, you know, your colleagues in the eye and yeah. really see if they are okay. I think it's massively important. At the same time, what you see is there's a lot of anxiety, nervousness, and sometimes resistance when you ask people to come back, because again, it's another change, it's different. And people have now, again, different priorities in life. They've organized their their personal lives differently because they knew they could work from home. So again, it creates pressure on people and it leads to sort of anxiety and and potentially mental health issues as well. So it's difficult to figure out what the right thing to do is. Um, And that's why this conversation is so important because the only thing we can do is try to figure it out together actively discuss it and share what works and what doesn't work um, until we find the right recipe.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great summary and some fantastic points in there. I think that thing around connection uh, and doing that thing face-to-face is so, is so important. And that's one of the things that I guess has been lacking or misunderstood or just left behind, which is just really not what we want. Um, if I can maybe just uh, ask you a question. Um, the issue of unmanaged mental health from what you've seen in the work that you do, and maybe as part of the genus of this 5% pledge that you're talking about, in your opinion, what has changed in terms of the role of the employer? What, what does the employer need to be doing?
0: Yeah. So before I answer that question, Andy, firstly, we do see a significant increase in mental health-related issues. And I think it's just maybe it stating the obvious, but I think it's an important point to make. Obviously, being a health insurer, we see that directly in terms of the actual claims, mental health related claims, which have gone up by 50 percent compared to pre-COVID levels. So it's a a very sizable increase. And then we overlay that again with a lot of the research that we do, not just amongst our own customers, but, you know, consumers and employees in general. And I mean, the most recent research indicated that 88 percent of people in the workforce today are experiencing symptoms of burnout. Really? And wow. when you look at the younger age brackets, so 18 to 24, that's even above 90%. So it is a really serious uh, issue that we're faced with. Now, I already talked a little bit about uh, sort of employees expecting different things from their employer. Mm. And I think that's where this conversation is so important because employers need to understand that this is something they have to address. Even if they would not necessarily agree that it's the right thing to do, and hopefully everybody agrees it's the right thing to do to try and address this together and employers have an important role to play there. If nothing else, there's a really important business imperative here as well. So uh, the World Health Organization has recently estimated that collectively, globally, we lose about 12 billion working days per year due to depression and anxiety. Uh, and that adds up to about a trillion per year in terms of lost productivity. So that at, at a macro level, that's a huge issue. And you break that down at an employer level, and of course, it's a, it's it's a it's a big issue as well. At the end of the day, it's really important for employers to start to actively address this because the loss of productivity, the loss of engagement, the loss of actual you know people being the best version of themselves when they show up in the workplace, that ultimately translates in the direct ability or inability for any organization to achieve their overall objectives and in terms of for profit organizations that means the ability to deliver on their you know financial objectives and commercial objectives and non-profit organizations on whatever their mission might be so i think it's incredibly important to acknowledge that there's a real business imperative the other reason why this is so important is because obviously we are in a war on talent So there's a real shortage of uh, skilled labor across many markets. And what that means is that as an employer, you have to work incredibly hard to retain your best people and to be able to attract really good talent. And as I mentioned earlier on, this is now a very important consideration for people when they decide if they want to stay somewhere or if they want to move to another employer. So if you want to win that war on talent, if you want to be able to fill those vacancies having comprehensive health and well-being support and mental health support in place and creating a workplace culture in which, you know, mental health is a topic of conversation and something that's actively being discussed and uh, talked about and specific actions are being taken to try and address that is going to be really important. So I guess for me, the overarching message is this is no longer about a nice to have employee benefit. This is a boardroom conversation. This is a strategic conversation that employers have to have. If they want to be able to be successful in the long run, this is something that they have to do.
1: I think that move to a strategic conversation is a great way to put it. You know, If we were having a conversation about culture or engagement, we would always talk about intentionality, authenticity, and then we would think about delivery. And I think this is very, very much a parallel here because there's one thing about saying on your webpage, oh, we really care for our employees and we have this great culture. It's backed up by all the tiny gestures and the big gestures that you then put together. So the the health support part of that whole ecosystem has to come into full view today. Yeah. Right, it's no good saying these things, and the promise doesn't match up to reality, because that's only, only going to exacerbate the problem. I, I know that you talk about the war on talent, that, that that job skills gap that is looming. There's that report for 2030 that talks about the the billions uh, in gap in the UK alone. That gap is going to be something like six million jobs. If you haven't used every single part of your armory to hang on and develop your best talent. There's a storm coming, so yeah. you, you better be ready, I think. So when you're advising, because I'm sure in your in your position and within the company, when you're advising business leaders to sort of take action on this stuff, what have been or what are some of the most or more effective strategies that you are advising people to employ when it comes to providing personalised support to, to employees that come from that authentic, genuine place but also really do help improve their health?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we have the privilege to work with many organizations, very large multinational organizations or international organizations, but also very relatively small organizations. And I think coming back to a conversation we had earlier, it's it's not an easy topic for organizations to to look and to address. And why is that? Because it's very complex. I mean, yeah. you talk about mental health as if it is one thing, but of course it isn't. It is a it is a wide sort of diverse topic. And mental health issues look different for every individual employee. So how do you find that recipe of putting in place the actions that actually are gonna have a meaningful impact? For us, the one thing that we always tell employers to make sure they do is measure. Measure what the actual situation within your organization is like. Uh, We help organizations to do that. We have very comprehensive, what we call health risk assessments. That we make available to organizations which give them the opportunity to go out to survey their employees to ask for their feedback and their input to really understand what is going on because the big problem is if you don't know what's going on you also don't know what actions you need to be taking to uh, address the real uh, issues within your organization and then to your earlier point Andy you are at risk that you're going to be doing things that look really nice but have no meaning, Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, to put it put it very black and white, if you have a huge issue, let's say, for example, with pressure, work pressure in your organization workload, and then you're starting to distribute a Mindspace app, right. employees are gonna look at you like you have no idea what you're doing, right? Yeah. So you've gotta make sure that you understand what the real root causes of the mental health issues within your organization are, and again, accept that that's not all going to be work related. Mm. Because what we also know is that, again, this is a complex topic. So when people feel um, stressed, when people suffer from anxiety, when people suffer from depression, when they experience symptoms of burnout, More often than not, it is a combination of a number of different things that are happening. It can be related to their social situation, can be related to their work-life balance, can be related to uncertainty about the future, as you mentioned earlier, financial concerns are unfortunately um, something that's really rising to the top of people's uh, worries um, and especially in this high inflationary environment where more and more people are struggling to make ends meet that is definitely something that's top of mind so if you then as an employer want to start to understand what am i going to do well you first need to understand what the real issue is and as we always say if you don't measure it you can't manage it so that health risk assessment is super important that will hopefully also open up a a dialogue within your organization. Mm -hmm. So I would never recommend to just do a anonymous survey. I would always follow up with focus groups or smaller group sessions where you give people the opportunity to openly talk about this, create a safe environment in which people feel okay to do that, which is easier said than done. And that's where you really start then to co-create what specific solutions you should be putting in place. And again, that can be wide range, depending on the actual issue that you're looking to solve. If a lot of people are worried about finan- their financial situation, well, maybe it's time you start to look at your your compensation, or maybe people need some help with financial planning, right, within their personal situation. Yeah. that's again very different from giving people a MindSpace app or putting beanbags in the office.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's please, please, please. Let's move on from from beanbags. I, I think the <laughs> I, I I think this dialogue piece is so important, and and for us within Engage for Success, you know, directly links to one of the four key enablers here of employee voice, which which links to psychological safety, which, which links to the fact that everybody feels like they actually have a voice that is listened to and acted upon. And so I think you're right. You really do need to understand the needs of the business and the needs of the individuals before you can put any sort of meaningful plan together, like right? meaningful level of support. I just want to come back to the point about complexity. Because again, I think there are huge links here with the whole topic of culture change culture development and what we're talking about here today in terms of mental health provision but when we think about complexity the range of support that comes out of understanding what's needed in the business I imagine to some can be just as overwhelming as thinking how on earth do I change the culture in this in, in the business that I'm working in it's it can be an amorphous topic I bet the range of things an individual individuals need and want can feel like a a huge tsunami of challenges and and problems um Mm -hmm. how do people go about how could people go about putting a well-being program that goes beyond beanbags and mindful apps Mm -hmm. and can possibly take into account all those different needs of individuals is that is that possible or is there somewhere you should start how would you recommend going around Going yeah, it? so
0: I, I, yeah, I guess I have two two sort of responses to that. I think the first thing is you you already mentioned the word culture. I think culture is incredibly important in this respect because again, if you want to create an open dialogue in which people are willing to speak up to tell tell you what's really going on, um, you know how they're feeling, uh, you're never going to be able to effectively uh, address some of these challenges that mm. people are experiencing. So, and that's that's one of the reasons why we have introduced this five percent pledge because it is really you know, encouraging leaders in organizations to say, yes, I'm committing 5% of my working time to addressing mental health issues in the workplace. What they are thereby saying is, this is important to me. This is a priority for me. I recognize that we have an issue within our organization and I'm committed to making uh, to making an effort to try and address that. So I think it's opening opening up that conversation, creating a safe space. If you then overlay that with actually leading by example in terms of um, showing your vulnerability as as a leader is really, really uh, important as well. The moment you demonstrate that it's okay to not always be okay, that's when you make a massive step forward in terms of being able to have that that open dialogue. So I think that cultural aspect is, is really important that cannot be underestimated. Then in terms of, okay, but then how do you address that really diverse sort of range of issues that you're likely faced in an organization I think for me, the key here is empowerment. Hmm. I mean, you ultimately gonna have to be able to empower your people managers that are closest to your teams to be able to take the actions that are needed to try to address this because otherwise it's gonna be a one size fits all and it's just not gonna work. Hmm. So empowering your people managers and that's something we've done at Cigna over the past couple of years, uh, mental health training, uh, mental health first aid response um, empowering your people managers to uh, identify the early signals, uh, the early warning signs that something is not right, that people are behaving differently, that there might be an issue or concern, understanding how to have those conversations. people don't just automatically know how to do this. This is really difficult. so you got to empower your teams to be able to do that. And I think the better your uh, your people managers are, your team leaders, your middle management is, in 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 driving these conversations forward and then helping to solve some of these issues on the spot, I think the more likely you're going to be as successful in addressing mental health as an organisation holistically.
1: Yeah, it's really good advice. And if we if we can just looking in with you, and I think you've started to sort of mention some of the things that you've done yourself at Signal. Mm. When we look at initiatives that you've rolled out to try and help solve some of these issues and start to yeah. put in proper support in place. What, what have been yeah. some of the more successful things?
0: Yeah, so obviously, as we as we launched this 5% pledge, we, we uh, of course, wanted to make sure that we led by example. So we started off, obviously, with all of our managers also explicitly committing to spending that 5% of their working hours on addressing mental health in the workplace. And across Signa Europe, we have more than 300 managers who've explicitly signed up to the pledge. As I already mentioned, we started the measurement. So Mm. we implemented the health risk assessment. We have regular employee engagement surveys. So we have a lot of data that helps us to understand what is actually uh, going on. Then we started to put in place a number of different tools. Um, We have introduced the employee assistance program because getting access to counseling services, I think, is really important. And again, removing the stigma that this is something that you can only access if, you know, you're like, Really depressed, or you have severe anxiety. It's not the case. Employee assistance programs should be easy accessible. It should be really easy for people to just make an appointment, pick up the phone, talk to someone. And often, one or two or three conversations already makes a big difference. So, that's where we're actively encouraging people to do. We also introduced a um, a digital uh, cognitive behavioral therapy um, application. So, this is a tool that we've made available to all of our employees. That will allow them to detect the early signs of uh, stress and burnout. And then uh, it's like a self-help tool. So it gives you some very practical advice on how to deal with some of these symptoms and how to make sure that it doesn't get worse. And they're very focused on things like uh, healthy eating, uh, on getting enough sleep, on getting enough exercise. So things that we all know clinically have a direct impact on people's overall mental health. So this is a tool that we've made available for our clients, but it's also a tool that we're using um, internally. Um, and then I think I already mentioned, Andy, we are actively encouraging people to start to come back to the office. Uh, again, trying to strike the right balance between you know enjoying the benefits of working from home and the flexibility that comes with that, but at the same time, recognizing that nothing beats personal face-to-face interactions and you know, rebuilding these emotional and social connections within an organization. So those are some of the things that we have started to to do um, that I think are are really yielding positive results when it comes to uh, mental health within the Cigna workplace.
1: I mean, that's great. I mean, I think it's it sounds like a simple thing to sort of say, but it's not always about trying to solve all the issues for every single employee, but it's about putting them within easy reach of the right support so that they can yeah. self-help and get the get help they need. And so... Almost finally, but the five percent pledge—where did that start, and what are your hopes and expectations for the for the pledge going forward? Is this something you want to people worldwide to sign up to? Is it going is there going to be a register? I mean, how's it how's it all going to yeah. work?
0: Yeah, so it is very much a a global initiative. So, uh, and again, it started with our concern about mental health in the workplace, and an acknowledgement that this culture change is incredibly important as a key enabler for you know, the successful um, initiatives that ultimately organizations need to put in place. So again, this is about encouraging leaders to sign up to the pledge to make that explicit commitment, which one helps to, again, create that culture in which people say, okay, now my leaders are telling me that this is important, it's being acknowledged. So uh, it's okay for me to talk about this as well. So I think it's a really important statement. But then, of course, it can't just be a statement, right? It's got to be followed through with actual specific actions. So anyone who signs up to the pledge becomes part of a community of like-minded leaders, if you will. And what we're doing is we're providing that community with a lot of suggestions, tips, tools, um, some of the things that I just talked about in terms of uh, employee assistance programs, digital CBT programs, whatever it might be, so that people get a better feel for, okay, what is actually out there. And then the second thing that we will be doing is we will be connecting people almost like a virtual community um, so that people can start to learn from each other. Because what I said earlier on in this conversation, there's never going to be a one size fits all. And what works for one organization doesn't work for another. So this is about an active conversation where we share best practices. And we also share what didn't work so that organizations have an opportunity to learn from each other. So Cigna really wants to be the facilitator of that conversation. We want to be the convener. We're not there to tell people what they should or should not be doing, but we're really there to connect the dots and help people understand what other organizations are doing and what they're struggling with and some of the things that have worked really well for them. So that is very much what the 5% pledge is all about. We already have more than 1,000 organizations that have signed up to the pledge. We started in Europe. This is now being rolled out in the Middle East and subsequently in other parts of the world as well. So we're very excited about the momentum that's building. And again, I think it's a recognition of the fact that many employers understand that this is something they have to address, but at the same time also understand they're going to need some help to do that in the most effective way.
1: Hundred percent. And before I uh, before we run out of time, where can people sign up?
0: Yeah. So we have a we have a website. Um, obviously, so five um, percent pledge. That's the that's the, the the name of the site. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, And uh, people can go there, people can sign up, uh, leave their details, and then we're going to get in touch with them, they're going to receive a toolkit with a lot of very practical information. And then subsequently, they will get invited for that community uh, that they can then become a part of. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the practical way to do it.
1: Fantastic. Arjan, that unbelievably is about all the time we've got time for today. And listen, everyone, don't forget to visit EngageForSuccess.org to check out the show notes and all of the fab free engagement resources that you can get your hands on. Arjan, very best of luck with this pledge. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and advice and experiences with us today. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, you take care, my friend. Okay, everyone, we'll be back at the same time next week. I'm Eddie Gorham, and thanks for listening to Engage for Success Radio.
0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.